Hello, New Hopers, and welcome to the second week of our series called Peacemakers Live Like Jesus. And this series is based around the racial tensions that we have been seeing now, not just in the Twin Cities, but throughout our country and really our world when it comes to the tensions between whites and blacks. Last week, we started this new series in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 21. And last Sunday, we talked about how peacemakers start with Jesus. We saw that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, that it is Jesus' love that controls us. And because we died in Jesus, we now live differently because of Jesus. And we live now out of his love. And so when it comes to being peacemakers, we start with Jesus because that is who we follow. You know, I grew up, I was born with Bell's palsy, which is a paralysis of one side of your face. And part of the challenges of my paralysis is that I primarily just see out of my right eye. And so I can only wear one contact. I can't blink my left eye fully, so I can't hold a contact in. So when I went to get a contact for my right eye, I had to decide whether I was going to see distance or whether I was going to see near or be able to read. And so I decided, obviously, I want to be able to read, right? When we decide to follow Jesus, we decide then as well to see differently. And so this week, I want to talk about how peacemakers see like Jesus. You know, at home we have these binoculars. And what are binoculars designed for? They're designed to help you see more clearly, but they're also helped to design to help you see farther and better. And that's like our relationship with Jesus. He helps us to see better others and to see farther than we can see with our eyesight. You know, when it comes to this whole idea of seeing, the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 and 17. He says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Paul is saying to us, we're changed because we are now in Christ. A result, we see people differently. Paul uses this word regard in his first line in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The word regard means to consider or to think of someone or something in a specified way. Because Jesus is now in us, 
he rearranges our specifications or he rearranges our measurements that we have for people or how we view people. We no longer judge people by the standards that the world judges people. I love the picture that we get of the story in the Old Testament when the prophet Samuel was sent to establish and anoint a new king over Israel. He was sent to David's family, the David who's David who conquered Goliath, that David. He was sent to that family to anoint a new king. And when he saw the family and he saw all the brothers, he assumed that God would certainly want to anoint the oldest brother, Eliab, because that was the cultural thing to do. But this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 6 and 7. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, well, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Well, today, peacemakers see as Jesus sees. And I would like to help us see current racial tensions between black and white today. So I invited a couple New Hope brothers in Jesus to share with us their insights into the recent experiences within the Twin Cities and just in their life in general. So today we have with us next to me, we have Eugene Kiddo, and next to him we have Pew Daniels. And so I'm gonna start with Eugene and just ask him a question here. And so Eugene, can you share with us as a black person your initial reaction to the George Floyd death? My initial reaction was pain because I saw him on the ground pleading for his life for over eight minutes and it was painful. I felt that pain as if I was the one down there. And then of course, there were other reactions after that, different emotions. After the pain, there was anger, you know, why he has to die that way. So did you have those emotions because you were identifying with George Floyd as another black man? or just as another individual? Or, I mean, was it more personal because of the situation of the white officer and George Floyd as a black man? Yeah, it was a combination of both. First, as a human being, it was looking at another human being down there. And then also as a black person, knowing that I myself, I've been in a situation where I've been pulled over by a cop, and an officer, and how I've been treated. So that also played a role. When I first saw the video, I, it was hard for me to watch it. And, uh, but I listened, you know, the one police officer was saying, oh, you're a tough guy. He was really not 
no emotion at all. You're just saying matter of fact, like, oh, you're a tough guy. Everything is okay. You'll be okay. And as I looked at it, I, I would see what was going on. And that guy was suffering. Floyd was really gasping for, for life. And uh, it, it was hurtful to just see that the callous disregard for human life, not just so much as for black, but as a person, as, as a human being, and on that callous disregard, just, oh yeah, just don't worry, you're a tough guy, you'll, you'll be okay. That hurt me more than, you know, if I could say the physical part of what was going on. So what I'm hearing you say, Pew, is that, you know, the initial reactions was more of just human life as, yeah. as opposed to uh, him being a black man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was my initial reaction. I'm like, how can you treat somebody like that? So how as a black person has it been for you in dealing with racism overall? I mean, where have you seen it come up in your own personal life? And what would you maybe want to communicate to New Hopers? I have dealt with racism since I moved to the United States. Mostly, um, I guess the first thing is people see you and they're afraid of you um, for no reason, maybe just because you're black. And it's hard to deal with because, you know, I don't want anyone to be afraid of me. I'm just a normal, regular person. I've been pulled over several times and my wife and I have been pulled over while we were in a vehicle um, there was an instance earlier this year where my wife was followed by a police officer and she got pulled over for no reason. She wasn't speeding or anything. And he just thought it was strange that she was in Asante, you know. In other area in my life that I've really struggled with racism it is as a father. You know, I have, I have four children and our oldest daughter, she's aware of what's going on. And she's had some questions. She's asked me a lot of questions about racism. Uh, the, the hardest one is she asked if she could be treated differently just because of the color of her skin. And I've had a hard time dealing with, with that and answering that. Xenophobia, the fear of foreigners, whether you are black or you are Chinese or you are whatever, it's. It's something that we handle every day when someone sees you and the first reaction, there's always a foreigner. And that comes out every day. Yeah, this is every day. If you are living in Cambridge and people get to know you, that goes down. But the moment you step out of Cambridge, it's right back full speed. And you, you are a foreigner, you are, you know, to be washed. You are to be, you know, hey, you got to be careful with that guy. Almost like to say, you know, we know you don't belong here. So, yeah, what can I do for you? Yeah, you see that in people's reaction every day. So when it comes to racism, um, there's a lot of different emotions. Because first, I think of it uh, in two ways, as a human being and then as a Christ follower where you want to be able to love everyone and then forgive people. But then as a human being, it's, it's hard to love when you feel like you're not being loved to reciprocate that. So that's the challenge, that's the balance that I've been, it's been my prayer that God will really help me 
to be able to love everyone as He's commanded us to do, and at the same time to be able to forgive those who hate me or who don't love me for no reason other than the color of my skin. For me, coming across someone who uh, looked down at me or treat me differently, it makes me angry. But you know what? I think that most of the time, these are good people and they don't know what they are doing in the sense that, hey, this is another brother. I didn't experience that in, ch in, in church groups. And I feel angry, but I, I, I realize that they haven't gone through their own moments yet. So beyond the emotion of anger, the feeling of anger, what other emotions come to the surface? Sadness. Uh, I feel sad that I'm treated in ways that someone else wouldn't be treated. And sometimes they do realize it. Sometimes it's just out of a cultural of doing it all the time. This is how I see my dad do it. I see my aunt do it. I, I'm just doing it. And, and so I know they still have not come to the point of understanding their own actions yet. So as a Christ follower, Eugene, uh, what is your hope for racial reconciliation? Yeah, um, my hope is that we will follow what Jesus commands us to do as Christians and as a Christ follower. Number one is love. You know, we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. First, we have to love God, which, which Jesus says is the most important, you know, with all our hearts, you know, with all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, we should love God. And then next, we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. The Bible says love conquers it all, you know. So I feel like if we follow what Jesus wants us to do, which is love, God is love, Jesus is love then there will be no need for racism because we all belong to the body of Christ. We're all one body. My hope for racial reconciliation is that people will realize that Almighty Creator, He created them male and female. He created them all. And as we walk through life, you we have to realize that Jesus, when he was here on earth, also experienced some of these, these things. He, he went to places and he was not welcome. He was not welcome when he went to the, to, to the, to the demoniac. They say, hey, get out of our country. This is not, you know, that we don't want you here. Yet, he loved them. Well, thank you, Pew and Eugene, for visiting with us today and, and really just being honest about this whole issue of uh, what took place in our hometowns, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, the whole area of racism, especially with, you know, black, white, and the tensions that it has produced right now. And in this series, you know, the goal, the desire is that as Christ followers, that we pursue being peacemakers and with today's focus that we see like Jesus. You know, there was a time when the Apostle Paul was judging 
Jesus by human standards. And Paul judged based on his education, based on his socioeconomic status, based on Paul's friend group, based on his religious position. Paul judged Jesus based on his societal and his power position. He had set out as a young man to eliminate Christianity off of the face of the earth. And he was actually out putting Christians in prison and actually killing Christians. But he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, So, from now on. Well, from when? From the time he repented of his sin and he acknowledged Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, from that time on, he now viewed people not from a worldly point of view anymore, but from a heaven point of view, from God's view. And this is my challenge to each one of us here at New Hope and everybody listening here this morning, that when it comes to being peacemakers, we see like Jesus. Why? Because as Paul said, Jesus is in us, and that way we are a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. As we close this morning, I just want to close with this story I like to tell of the boys who built their clubhouse up in the tree. And when they were all done, they put out this sign that said, no one's big, no one's little, we're all just medium. Giving this picture that there's no one more important, there's no one less important, that, that we are all equally important. We all have our uniqueness, but we are all equally made in the image of God, loved by God and cherished by God. And he calls us to cherish one another in the same way as well. So my challenge to you, New Hope, and all others who have chimed in here today is to take heart what Eugene and Pew shared with us from their heart and to humble ourselves and allow Jesus to transform us and to be peacemakers and to see like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, change our eyesight. Help us to see as you see. Mature us when it comes to our racism. And I pray that we would value each life and love each life as you love. In Jesus' name, amen.